What's up and welcome back to Anybody and Everybody. I'm your host Herm and it is a beautiful Wednesday today. I have been watching the snowfall for a few days now. It's absolutely gorgeous. I know some people have gotten more than others, but I think I got just the right amount. And uh, everybody, 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 there has been a lot going on recently. Uh, a lot to chat about, and um, a lot of it happens with my conversation with Brian today, but uh, I think I'm going to get into a, into the real weeds of it after the show and uh, give some of my opinions on stuff that's been going down. But I don't want to hold you guys up any further. Without further ado, well, first of all, actually, before we hop into the episode, I need to preface something here. Brian had commented on one of my posts many months ago at this point saying, I'm too boring for your show, man. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come on. I have nothing to tell. I have nothing. This, that, and the other thing. Well, guys, guess what? You are about to get one of the best interviews I think you'll hear on anybody and everybody to date. Uh, Brian is. He's done so much. He has truly seen so many awesome things. Done beautiful, awesome adventures, and I am, I'm stoked to put his story out there. So. I'm not going to hold you guys up any further. This is going to be one of your favorite interviews. But without further ado, here he is, Brian Downs. Boom. Okay. So, Brian, this this is one of the most exciting conversations for me. And this is why. You've been commenting on my tweets now for a couple months saying that, one, you're too boring for be on a podcast, and two, <laughs> that you weren't exactly one to come on one. So when I got the uh, notification from, what, what's the app that I use, uh, SurveyMonkey, that you wanted to come on, I was absolutely stoked because I think anytime that someone has the opportunity to come and talk on a podcast, they should explore it because it's fun and a good time. And I'm stoked that you were able to take that leap of courage and join me. But how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going good. Yeah, I figured I'd fill out the survey just to kind of never did it before. So might as well try it and see how it goes. And uh, I don't know, experience everything, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think podcasting is one of those things, right? And um, it's like, I, I, I look at it in this own, its own little weird thing where it's a very niche thing right now. And a lot of people are trying to do it. There's a lot of podcasts starting up each and every day. And right now, because it's so popular, is the best opportunity to try it. Why not? I mean, it's like in the 90s when everyone was creating magazines, right? And some people would put out one issue oh, yeah, of their magazine yeah. and it'd be like, oh, yeah, I was featured in this magazine or whatever. So uh, in, I look at it in the similar terms. But, dude, I'm stoked. You're, you're not just someone that signed up to come on the show, but you're someone who also listens to the podcast. So you have a little bit of understanding of like, how things work, what I usually say. I probably say the same thing like every week at some point or another. But uh, dude, I'm, I'm so stoked. I genuinely, like, I don't know. Something about you really intrigued me in the fact that you, well, it really disappointed me that you said your story was boring in the beginning because well, nobody's story is boring. Everybody's got an individual story, so they have the opportunity to say it. But uh, I love it, yeah. dude. So do you have any opening remarks? I mean, the floor is yours right now. Nah, nah, no real opening remarks. I'm just just excited to excited to do this. Yeah, for sure. You you were saying you're a little nervous before we got on here, so let's just like get the get things out in the air. Uh, I'm Herm. I'm a really nice guy. I'm not gonna berate you with any hard questions or anything. <laughs> um, so 
dude, let's let's take it back. We we started. You started following me. I'm horrible at following people back, so I'm not sure if I follow you. I'm sorry if I don't. <laughs> but we started chatting on Twitter, and it's yep. all through this beautiful <laughs> community. We all we find ourselves in lax Twitter, and yeah. we we've been yeah. having fun with it now for a bit here, eh? Yeah, yeah. Lex, Lex Twitter is a, a dynamic place and uh, can be at lots of highs and lots of lows. It's it's all over. There's the no middle very ground at all. <laughs> no, no. There's there's a few little subgroups of uh, decent, like-minded people that that like like carry the middle ground for the most part. But I don't know. It's it's fun watching the fringes lose their mind over things. Oh, I do absolutely love watching that. There's something about lacrosse Twitter not destroying itself but kind of going at war with itself with itself that I, I kind of, en- I, I enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm like, Oh, cringe worthy. Like, why are we watching this happen? We're trying to grow this game. We're trying to invite people to be a part of this awesome thing that we all love. And yet we're kind of pushing people away by, you know, fighting with one another pretty constantly, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the drama, but I like the, I like the good drama, like the, uh, sleeveless sleeveless uniforms or was was right. that check good or clean or clean or dirty you know that that kind of stuff where like See, it's but the check ones can get fe- they can get feisty those are some good ones yeah. because i remember when i first started doing outside the box probably two years ago now and there was a really dirty hit it was in a box game i don't remember who it was or how it happened or even what it was but that was probably one of the biggest most divisive twitter arguments i'd ever gotten in like to this day, because I was still feeling pretty argumentative at the time. And mm-hmm. I remember just walking away like, wow, I really hate half of these people that just tried to argue with me that it was a clean hit. And so that the, the checking one's still a little cringy for me, but the sleeveless jersey jersey slander, I'm here for it all day. It's harmless. Yeah, Anything uh, where any any time that nobody's actually getting like their feelings hurt, physically hurt, or anything of the above, I'm all for it. I'm so, I'm so about yeah. it, especially when Diggs is doing it. I mean, he's the most, like, you know, down-to-earth guy you'll ever meet in your entire life. Yeah, the, the internet is, is a sad place anyway, though, because, like, you, you could say, I love cloudy days, which I do personally love, especially now living in Arizona, and somebody's ready to blast you. And Oh, I yeah. It's just, it's For just, me, it's uh, all from lax pose. That's the only person who blasts me anymore, and, you know, I'm kind of fearful oh, yeah. at this point. I'm here for it unless I, I'm pissed find, off. If you if you come at me when I'm already pissed off about something, then just like forget about it. I'm probably gonna be mean back. But other I, than I that, got into it. Yeah, I've I've seen some of your back and forths. I got into it once with. Uh, I'm not gonna say the account because it doesn't really matter. But I got into it one time, and I'm like, this is. I know better. Like I'm not doing this. Like yeah. What like over the summer watching people lose their minds was from certain perspectives, quite entertaining and then just really sad and pathetic from other perspectives. Yeah. That's, that's the tough part. That's a, that's a tough line to draw, especially when like we're grown adults, right? We, we aren't yeah. here to really, you know, argue with each other about the stupidest little things that people will get into arguments about, but you do mention that you're out in Arizona and you, we, we have yeah. a common friend on Twitter, Mark, and uh mark yeah you guys, you guys go back and forth and now you're like hanging out and everything did you guys know each other before lax twitter no no so that that's uh that's interesting so um this this actually gets into how i got in not how i got into lacrosse but um so i never played growing up and um i got into it late in life like i'm i'll be 41 in uh 
don't know, a couple months. And, and you look don't like, like a day over twenty seven. So, well, I appreciate that. That's the zoom filter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, well, I'll condense the story just down to uh, to, to Mark. So, I signed up for Ulax having uh, barely had a catch with another human with a lacrosse stick before. And, uh, and I figured that was a mistake. So I figured I have to go and do that. And he was, uh, it turns out like he was on my team. I met him, you know, first night of uh, first game. And then we just started talking back and forth and he said he had a Twitter account. I'd start following him and then, yeah, it's been probably a year and three months, but yeah, he comes to pick up games uh, occasionally pretty regular regularly um over the past couple of weeks so yeah that's awesome man yeah, I mean, he's, he's an awesome dude it is crazy how small this this world is though right that we lacrosse oh yeah you know how this one guy who who's mark and he's he's become pretty iconic everybody who follows the lacrosse account has probably seen him comment or retweet or something of oh, the above Right. And yeah. so it's like, then you get just randomly put on his ULAC team, which is rad. And like, there he is. He's, yeah. he's a real human being behind a pretty funny Twitter account, in my opinion. And yeah. that, that's, I mean, there's something beautiful about that, right? Like, I mean, how many other, how many other places, right? I mean, you look at the NHL, you look at the MLB, you look at NFL, you could have pickup of any other sport in the world, but because it, the communities are so widespread, you would never know who I like baseball 69 or whatever his name is, is right. There's too many people commenting, but in lacrosse, I like lax 99, I think his handle comments. And next thing you know, he's on your pickup team every week and he's a cool dude and fun to have on your team. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about lacrosse. And that I think, well, your story is one that I, I love because you're not someone who played lacrosse your whole life, right? You're not someone who grew up in Greenwich or, Baltimore playing with the you know big prep school kids and doing that but you pick it up a year and a half ago at this point now you're loving it that that's that's the best part of the story so this is this is uh how small the lacrosse world is I go to a PLL so mind you I'm, I'm 40 I go to a PLL training event to volunteer but just to like kind of take in some of the the training and stuff it was for kids so i just volunteered so i could like absorb what i heard at least right and uh so i'm standing there and i've i've got my mask on because it was you know it's still pandemic times and uh this guy has uh, an eagles jersey so you know we're we're, we're getting our instructions on what we got to do and uh, i said are you from philly he says yeah i'm like whereabouts he says uh he was from juniata and i was born in juniata yeah small world so then um, later on in the day, um, I asked if he played. He said, yeah, and um, played for like a team up in the Northeast and uh, went to Newman uh, okay, D3 yeah. school. And it uh, turns out my brother, whom I had only met for the first time at 30, um, played at Newman. They actually, I texted my brother asking him if he knew the guy. He said, yeah, they had played together in college. So I meet this rando out in like nowhere, Arizona, because it was like up in the north side of uh, north side of the city where it's like, I don't know, it's desolate. Desert. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And just so happens like 3000 miles away, I meet a guy who's played on the same team as, you know, my brother, whom I've only known for the past 10 years. Like no how fucking small, way. Incredibly small world. You know, that's crazy. 
That's amazing. Well, wait, okay. So there's two things I'm taking away from this. I got two questions. If you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. you didn't know your brother until he was, until you were 30? Older yeah, or younger? Yeah, we, uh, we He's uh, four years older. Wow, man. What, what was that like, if you don't mind me asking? My mom, so the little backstory, my mom is in a very situ- situ- similar situation. She didn't know her father, actually, and she met him last year, and she's now 50. So it's like, the, I, yeah. I can't imagine just not knowing someone for that. I personally obviously wouldn't know. I know my sister my whole life. We've always lived in the same house. What, what's that situation yeah. like? Well, um, it, it was pretty interesting. So it was, it was kind of a whirlwind time because, uh, <clears throat> so my mom had him, gave him up. Um, life moved on. He got adopted by a great family, had a, had a decent upbringing, you know, that as far as I'm aware, no complaints. Um, and then uh, you know, right around, like I got married in August of 2010. And, you know, my mom gets this email and I don't know, we'll say July and uh, mm-hmm. saying, you know, I'm your son, whatever, let's meet up, you know, DNA test ensues, confirms, cool, we all get together for dinner. He is like the spitting image of one of my uncles, like, really? and then, you know, I get married a month later, a month after that, I moved to Texas and we hung out like once or twice prior to moving. And it turns out like we are incredibly similar and alike. And I was like, damn it. Why couldn't I have had this guy to grow up with? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then just, unfortunately, you know, moved to Texas, lived there for like two years, uh, would come back occasionally cause I'd work in Jersey. Um, we, we were headquartered in Jersey, moved it to Texas, but I still had a satellite office in, um, I don't even remember where it was now. It doesn't matter. And, uh, so I'd still, when I'd come back, I'd, you know, hook up with him or, you know, see other friends and family, but yeah, he's actually the one that got me into lacrosse cause he played, um, at Newman and then he taught at, uh, Westtown or he coached at Westtown. No, um, really? Yeah. Uh, his son went to Episcopal, um, he's got I don't know, connections all over the place. And uh, yeah. so like, yeah, you know, I was hanging out with him one day, we had a catch and I'm like, okay, I could, I could, I, I always growing up, I always liked it, but um, it was, it, it wasn't in my neighborhood. It was, it was hockey, baseball. Like it was that stuff. Right. My high school had a team for so I'm like, it was, it was popular, but just not in my neighborhood. But um, in any case, yeah. So we've, we've kept in contact and, you know, we, I still hang out whenever I get up there and go to wings games and stuff like that. So isn't that something, man? That's beautiful. That is so crazy. It's, it's, it is absolutely insane the way this like all world works in general, but for you guys to be able to have that opportunity to reconnect and reconvene at such a late age in life, it's like, just open up another chapter of your life. Let's have a great time with it. That's so awesome. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's worked out really well too. Cause he, like I said, he got me into lacrosse and I was at a phase where I just lost 80 pounds and, uh, I'm like, Holy going shit, to the gym. 80 pounds. Oh yeah. I was, I was incredibly lazy. <laughs> don't, don't say that with a little, uh, grain of salt. That's impressive, man. I mean, I, um, I'm currently on my own little journey right here. Quarantine didn't really do me great, but 80 pounds, man. Congrats. That's so thank sick. you. Thank you. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It's a combination of getting complacent, lazy, and then mm-hmm. I never went to school for programming, so I had to kind of 
study as much as I possibly could, as much as humanly possible. And in doing that, it kind of puts you in front of a computer on the couch or wherever um, more than you, you would like. So like, you know, it takes time to drive to the gym, be at the gym, takes time to actually cook proper yep. meals. So I just, I just let it all go. I was in pretty decent shape for a while. I was doing like Krav Maga for a couple of years and then the yeah, ancient art of fighting Israeli style. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it because it was like practical and not like, Oh, you can't do that because of this rule or you can't do that because right. of this rule. <laughs> nah, we're just, we're just getting it. Yeah, no, but, uh, that's like yeah. literally self-defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like real world useful. Right. But uh, we, yeah, uh, I was like, I... <clears throat> sorry, God. No, I was going to say we, uh, we, I was at Hebrew school when I was younger or whatever. And one day we had Krav Maga lessons. I've got like a guy like holding a plastic gun to my head. And he's like, this is exactly what you're going to do when like this situation happens in your life. I was like, when it happens in my life, like you're (laughs) You're really anticipating something I'm not ready for here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you foreshadowing some really (laughs) shitty bad shit to happen? (laughs) He's like, when someone steals your backpack on the subway and starts running, this is exactly what you're going to do. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, this is way too real. The reality is, is I'm going to reach in my pocket and get the phone that they thankfully didn't take and I'm didn't tweet take. how angry I am. <laughs> that's exactly it. what I would do too. <laughs> yeah. Forget about the yeah, laptop and whatever's in the bag. But. Be, being around those people, like not to speak ill of them, they were all great people, but it's like they get you into this mindset of like heightened awareness that puts you like always, always ready to spot something yeah. to the point where like you're manif- you end up manifesting these things. It's like, no, dude, you're not going to get into a fight. Calm down. Right, you, you start dreaming about it. <laughs> yeah, like as much as like you, you get off on that like adrenaline rush and the, like the, the machismo and everything else about fighting, like you're an adult, you've got to go to work. Like you're not going to walk in looking like uh, Ed Norton in Fight Club. Like, like come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good description of it. Up. Yeah, unless you're like in like absolute physical danger of getting your ass beat in such that like, I don't know, you could die or the person with you is going to die. Like, you're probably not going to do anything. And it's probably in your best interest not to do anything. Just See, but this is my issue. I have, I was actually having this conversation with my mom probably a couple of months ago now. And I was like, mom, I think I'm like crazy. Like, I think I'm a bit psychotic. Because if someone was like holding a gun to my head, I'd be like, do it, motherfucker. I dare you. <laughs> like, I want it to, like, because I, I just, I don't. I personally don't understand how someone could fathom like actually pulling the trigger in that situation. If you're like getting held up for your iPhone, right? Like the, 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 the the minus is that like, it's just not worth it for them. But at the same time, I'd also probably run away and tweet about it around the corner. Lowercase. Holy shit. Someone just held a gun to my head. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, that gets into the whole conversation of carrying a gun too. And uh, that's always been a funny one. Cause like, um, like I, I, I used to carry, I, I have them. I have nothing against them. I, I don't care. I'm a very middle of the road kind of guy there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm thinking like, all right. Cause like at the time I'm like, you know, fight training, got a little, little, little Glock on my hip, like carrying it around five o'clock. Um, always on a practice draw, you know, make sure I'm yeah. like efficient. 
And, uh, but then I'm like, if somebody's robbing me, do I really want their soul on my conscience? Like to just like right. pull a gun out and kill them? Like, no, no. Like, fine. Here's my wallet. Fine. Here. Yeah. But I can get a new driver's like, license. Credit card can get turned off in an app really quickly. Yeah, exactly. Do, does the person need to die? Absolutely not. Do they need to go right. to jail? Yeah, probably. But Right. No, yeah. and I, I'm very much in the same boat. I, 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 I've, I'm a little bit more left, I guess, because I'm terrified of guns in general. Like, just like the sight of them kind of freaks me out a bit. I, I think it's also partially the generation that I've been raised in, right? Like, three times a month, we would have active shooter drills in school because it just became an overwhelming, you know, series of events that was happening while I was in middle school and high school. And so, like, yeah, I had a really great conversation. I had a really great conversation and this is, this is, this is the issue too that I also have with this conversation is that people can't have this conversation. Right. So like as there's people who have my same ideology and the fact that they're scared of guns, who would be, who just completely now not hear another thing that you'll say the rest of this conversation because you once carried. And that's, that's the issue here, right? We can't meet in the middle and actually have a conversation because for, I mean, a great example is this. I had coach Eric Finley on almost a year ago now. He has AR-15s in his house. He has a lot of guns in his house. And we had a fantastic conversation, although I will never own an AR-15 or even really condone the idea of having one. Mm-hmm. I can still have a conversation and understand where you're coming from. He laid his whole idea, ideology about it out. I thought, wow, you made a really great argument. You can go, go forth with it. Like, have a great, have a great time. But I, I think that we have become so freaking divided at this point where it's like, oh, yeah gun okay bad person i i don't think you're a bad person at all i just don't agree and because yeah, well, that's you the issue these, yeah and it, it's weird because more people are gun uh, okay so here's here's the thing there's gun people then there's second amendment people then there's right. regular people who, who enjoy shooting mm-hmm. and i would i'd find myself probably in uh regular people that enjoy shooting like i, I used to buy a bunch of them different kinds uh to experiment to play with like lacrosse sticks or or right like any other hobby now it's to the point where like i might shoot a 22 like real small caliber i'll go out to the desert with my cousin we'll uh maybe have a couple beers like not enough to to be irresponsible right like just (laughs) run around town (laughs) yeah we'll go out to the desert and we'll we'll put um little targets or water bottles out at like i don't know up to maybe 30 yards and we'll just shoot like with 30 or uh, uh, 22 rifles just plinking all day and it's incredibly enjoyable but you know it's not like getting all rednecked up throwing on some some camo and going out and blasting a i yeah i don't know that's yeah and and that's that also there's another factor that comes in this you're in the middle of the desert in arizona right you don't you're not living in the middle of a city you're not just well, randomly uh, walking yeah. well, i do live uh, in, in, in the middle of the city we have the ability middle. to go out to the desert right yeah. it's not like you're yeah. just like walking around downtown scottsdale right. you know <laughs> toting your any any gun honestly but it's it has become an, common, an, an, oh it is very common yeah i might well so like my mom grew up in my mom grew up in Tucson. There's a lot of cowboys. Oh, okay, there. yeah, common. Guys, guys who all, but they're carrying revolvers and stuff around because I guess it's just what they've done their entire life. 
And so yeah. I, I, can, I can understand that. I can get with that. I, if that's what makes you comfortable, just don't pull it on me because <laughs> I'll probably ask you to shoot me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I still get a little unnerved when I see somebody walking around open carry because it's like, all right, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Right. Like, I'll Somebody. never forget the first time I saw it. it. I was driving down to Charleston, South Carolina, probably for a tournament or something. It's three in the morning. I stop at a gas station for gas. I'm like driving with my learner's permit only. My parents were psycho for letting me do this. And I would be like, I had to get gas. It was late in the morning. I, there's one dude walking into the convenience store. He's wearing like camo and he's got two guns around his legs. And I'm like, is that really necessary? We're like literally in the middle of nowhere, Charles, like, south carolina like who's gonna attack you at three in the morning you know yeah that, that was that's it. why i stopped actually that's why i stopped carrying actually was it when i actually did a another valid threat assessment mm -hmm. to, to weigh out you know you know risk factors and probability it's like this is absolutely unnecessary i don't need to you know when i'm out in the desert i always do whether yeah. I'm, I'm hiking or anything like that because i don't know sometimes i'm kind of careless and I'll go I'll go hiking or camping out in areas that are known trafficking routes mm -hmm. but this area is just so incredible and beautiful that I you can't not right yeah and uh you know I've seen you know we, we used to go out in this one spot where we'd often see the remnants of coyotes stuff they've mm -hmm. left over and uh yeah it's it's heartbreaking quite frankly because you, you know what they're up to like they're trafficking humans it's not like some like yeah feel good service where they're where they're getting immigrants to a better life like they're they're trafficking humans so but right now yeah, i go to some of those areas but, yeah it is it is but uh yeah and any more though yeah yeah no and i think some of it too is like the the mental part of it right you don't you don't want to be now seen as the guy who because he has gone like might have the automatic stereotype that comes to your mind that guy's probably closed mind that guy's going to say something about the second amendment that guy's going to you know yeah. this thing but in fact you're an incredibly open-minded individual who has really great thoughts and opinions on the world and is worth listening to and sharing you know having I that conversation so. crazies think the same thing but <laughs> yeah, well, and, and half the listeners are listening like oh this guy's a crazy gun nut i'm out no no but see that's that's the thing we just had a full conversation about it and now mm -hmm. everybody knows that you're not a crazy gun nut. You just at one point in your life like to carry them around. But yeah. so with that though, let's take it back. You so you grew up on the East Coast. Yeah. Where whereabouts? Yeah. Uh, what's that? Whereabouts? Oh, Philadelphia. Um, okay. Yeah, I was born in Juniata, and then we moved out to uh, Ambler. Um, nice. Yeah. So you know, pretty pretty standard suburban I'm incredibly area. familiar i uh from right across the bridge in new jersey so like we we ended up in ambler a lot for hockey and stuff did so growing up then did you did you play sports other than the like you didn't even play lacrosse so did you play sports what, what was it like yeah i play i never played i played a men's league um in my teens and and um late teens early 20s uh men's league hockey um mainly uh roller but um, mm -hmm. and actually played a couple seasons of deck hockey, which was pretty fun. Deck that, hockey is too, what's up. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I don't know if that's when it was when it first started becoming popular, but uh, yeah, that was that was a ton. Of, that was pretty much the sport growing up. Mm -hmm. Played like CYO basketball, 
um, when I was younger, like, you know, I don't know, fifth, sixth, sixth grade, seventh grade. But uh, that was never any, that was, that was one of those, like, I'm going to play basketball because my friends are playing. Right. And I want to hang out with my friends. So I'm going to play, but, and then baseball as a kid, but it was mainly hockey growing up. Mm-hmm. You were in the right area for it. I mean, there's a ton of hockey to be yeah. had in this general vicinity. You got to love it. So you met your brother at 30. Do you have any other siblings that you grew up with or? Yeah, I got a younger sister, uh, four years younger. Oh, that's what's up. I have a younger sister also four years younger. Were you, were you a protective brother? Um, as an excuse to get into, you know, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think just as a, just a protective person, I don't like watching people get, shit on so no. to speak for no verbally physically. It, that that always is a big turnoff but uh yeah we never really got along plus four years at that age or at a younger age you know feels even, like an eternity the, yeah four years but once you hit like 35 40 four years is like insignificant but like yeah um because <clears throat> I, I i was leaving high school she was going into high school and um, starting high school when she was still super young. So there was never really much crossover. Right. But she, right, yeah. she'd hang out later. We'd hang out and got, we got closer later on. Yeah, that's definitely, I, I've been seeing this as a trend recently. I've actually been having a good time talking to everyone that I kind of come encounter with about talking about that weird, for me, she was st- starting high school, but it was like, we hated each other until recently it's like you just got to grow up at some point i guess to really appreciate your younger sibling because there was there was no connection there until we both kind of matured up and she's at college i'm out with college now and i don't know i've been having i've been having fun though because i think that this is a really relevant conversation because uh i guess i don't know what it is there's some kind of dilemma we all face where like we can't appreciate our sibling until we hit the age of like 25 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it was for me. Cause uh, when I hit 25, um, I don't know yet. Cause she was able to drink. So when she came home from college, we were able to go out and have beers. Right. That's really like that. what it is. She now drinks white claws and I'll drink beer and we can actually have a real conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That, that's true. Cause I remember the first time after she turned 21, she went off to college and the first time she came back was a, around St. Patty's day. And, mm-hmm. uh, that was that was a, a memorable St. Patty's Day, to say the least. Before before I blacked out, right? And, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she was she was there for all that. So yeah, I guess that that really kicked it all off. And then just free flying from there. That's awesome, man. So you yeah. you went to college though on the East Coast? No, no. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I, we were. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, no. the, the situation, this growing up, the situation didn't present itself such that it was ever going to be a possibility. Is that right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty much just, I was, re, I resigned myself to the fact that not that I had any real interest in college anyway. Well, I, I, uh, hard to, hard to put into words. I hadn't, I have mm-hmm. tons of interests and had tons of interests at the time that would have been great if I could have gone to college. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, resigning myself to the fact that I couldn't, um, I just relegated those interests and hobbies to self-study and then pretty much just, you know, 
figured, okay, you got to get a job. So, yeah. Would, no, would you no, consider no yourself uh, one who enjoys education? Were you a good student and like tried to educate yourself around all kind of aspects of life? Um, I hated school with every ounce of my being. Um, mm-hmm. I also fall into that category. Yeah, I, I went enough in high school and passed enough to get enough credit to graduate. And that was that was the minimal amount of work I had to do. That's all I did. I would get A's in uh, some of the classes I actually enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the some of the history classes. Some years had uh, you know, we'd go over a portion of history that was interesting, or um, the phys- uh, the physics class I had, um, the psychology class. Like some of those classes, I re- and geometry. Um, really, really enjoyed those. So I I would do well in those because I'd put out the effort. Otherwise, it was go in get you know get the head count right and then do I the leave somehow yeah just and even th- we had this thing called social lab where uh you go in either for a.m or p.m classes and you do a.m or p.m you know the opposite of uh some sort of internship and uh mm. at the time in high school i was i was all about music and i had some delusion of grandeur that my you know random punk band was going to actually do something <laughs> and, uh, I interned in in the music shop that was in my neighborhood, and uh, that's cool. It was, yeah, it was just really an excuse to sit there and play guitar all day and just not be in school. And right. I got credit for it. So it, it worked out fantastic. And then the music store actually closed in March of of my senior year, but I didn't tell anybody. And um, so you just stayed home, home and chilled. I just went home, took naps, you know, awesome. hung out with my dad, which was awesome because I didn't really see much of him. Uh, he would work two jobs, so I didn't see much of him growing up. So it was wow. cool because, like, those were the times in between where, you know, he'd be waking up from the previous night shift, and you know, either way, it, it worked out well. But yeah, it was uh, as minimal amount of school time as possible I would put in. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling. For me, it was go to school as much as I have to to be able to play whatever sport was in season and do whatever I could do socially. And then, like, get by. It, it was never – and I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty smart dude. I'm well-rounded now at this point because I do enough studying outside of the classroom. But I just never yeah. was enticed with the fact of sitting there and having someone tell me about something. I, it, it was the biggest waste of time for me. I feel like I learned more by either going home and, like, reading about it and then trying to go explore whatever I was reading about in the real world or yeah. just not learning about it at all. And, I mean – that that was always for like for math for me like math was the most irrelevant thing I've ever done in my life because I'll never use it again probably but yeah I think that it's an interesting dilemma that we all have to face right like that try like what are you in high school 14 to 18 you're you have these big years of your life that you have to kind of try and maneuver these life decisions at such a young age you don't realize how freaking young you are at the time and you're like, wow, I really hate school at the moment. Let me go try and do something else, like start a punk rock band that <laughs> gets huge. And you start chasing that dream, man. And then for some reason, we have this weird-ass social construct where they're like, well, why aren't you learning? Why aren't you in the classroom? Like, you're going to learn more here, but you're really not because you're going to fail at something or you're going to succeed. And you're going to be able to take it the next actual life step in your life by either failing or succeeding as a punk rock band. And I feel like you learn more about life and how to actually live through that than anything else you could do. But 
that's just yeah, my I, two cents on the topic. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I did learn a lot. But man, I wish I would have paid attention in school more. Is that right? You know, so so how do you then go from college, you know, or I mean, high school student who kind of did the bare minimum to coding and doing everything that you're doing now? Oh man, so let's see. So I guess right after. So I had resigned myself to pretty much just coast. So me and my buddy just packed our bags and we left for a couple months and we just backpacked around the US. And Did you uh, read on the I road? Like, no, and everybody asked me that. <laughs> I, I only, quite frankly, I only just read it about six months ago. Is that and right? I am what so you think? Oh, I loved it. Isn't it and Kerouac, is, I've worked Kerouac's through his almost his entire catalog <laughs> at oh, this point. Amazing. but. I'm so glad I didn't read it back then because it was just so incredibly cliche for what I was doing. Right. And uh, I didn't want to live the cliche and I hated it for years. I'm like, I'm never reading this book. No, I lived it. And then I read the book. I'm like, ah, I'm just the same. Yeah. No, uh, you would have, you would have read it though. And then you would have been like, wow, actually this sounds like the lifestyle I want to live. And you'd still be living out of the back of a car somewhere in the middle of BFG. that, That is also that would have probably influenced some decisions that would have probably yielded less than good results. <laughs> less than stellar results. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I read it my junior year of high school. I proceeded to go on a two-week uh, live out of the back of my car trip in Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire and oh, nice, do it nice. under like 400 bucks. It was fantastic and probably like the most, one of the coolest experiences I've ever lived in my life. But it's, it, yeah. it that there, everybody, I feel like everybody needs to do something like that at some point in their life. Why, why not? Life's too short enough to uh, go yeah. take some risks yeah, and travel and backpack. Yeah, we were only 18. And uh, we yeah. like walked down to the train station, got down to like, uh, was it like 12th and Fillmore? It doesn't really matter. We went to the yeah. bus, Greyhound bus station. And uh, it was cool. At the time, they had this thing called the Ameripass. So like for $600, you could uh, you could get a ticket that would bring you that would be good for 30, uh, 30 days. And, uh, so we just like kind of took the Northern, um, the Northern route along, uh, Canada, along the border, mm-hmm. the border. States, and then went down the, went down the West coast into the, the central, uh, West, um, dropped down into Arizona where I met up with, uh, my great aunt who lives out here and, um, stayed here for a couple of weeks, live or not living, but staying at my, uh, my buddy's, uh, aunt's house. And then we, we flew back and um, that, that was interesting. We were able to get standby for like a hundred dollars, which was great. But in any case, to answer your question, I was just working retail and uh, I was mm-hmm. um, you know, working retail management, working at gas stations, you know, real successful type stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah well, uh, that sounds terrible. Not to judge, but. Um, no, no, no. It's, I, would, I think that people understand your justice. You needed yeah, something that was a bit more yeah. fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to get engaged to this girl, and uh, I'm thinking, all right, well, ten dollars an hour is not going to cut it. Um, I'm not going to be able to afford a ring with that, and that's not really you know a sustainable income for a, a long, happy, prosperous life. So I was like, all right. So I was trying to figure things out, and I hear this, you know, on the radio. It's probably I don't even know. Does MMR even still exist? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does it? Okay. Uh, either way, it was probably MMR or 941. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hear this uh, radio station, or I hear this commercial for uh, the Satone Institute. And uh, it was one of, the, it's like a Lincoln Tech, but a little bit more ghetto. 
And uh, it, it was really whatever. I went there and I was like, all right, cool. They're like telling tell me I can make 30 grand a year. I'm like, yeah, I want to make 30 grand a year. And uh, so I went there and, it and I was like, I don't really care about computers. I think I was like 21 or 22 at the time. And uh, I got into classes thinking like, this is going to be the most miserable seven months. But if, if it gets me like, if it raises the floor just a little bit, then great. And uh, turns out I actually enjoyed it. But the, um, so it's just like a seven month program. I uh, wasn't able to find a job for maybe about six months after graduation. So like they were, they were gracious enough to let me quote unquote audit classes that I wasn't, that wasn't part of my program. So I was able to basically take two of their uh, programs, one I had to pay for one for free. And then I was mm -hmm. able to teach a couple of intro classes, which was cool. But um, yeah. then just got into computers that way. It was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, answering phones and uh you know answering questions over phones for like tech support type stuff was it a whole lot of like, like you just got to unplug it and plug it back in type oh, dude. Tech stuff. oh my god <laughs> so imagine an elderly person not to be ageist but imagine an elderly person with the most minimal amount of computer or technology exposure back in the early 2000s working in a doctor's office who needs to just do her, their job and be done. They don't care. So they, they call me and uh, I'm working on this help desk and I'm like, all right, you know, going meticulously through detail of like, you know, take your index finger on the left button of the mouse and, you know, and they're like, which, which, which one? I'm like the index. I just said it, you know, like, of course I'm yeah. Like, yeah, that was, that was a level of support. And I'm like, okay, this has to stop. Cause like I yeah. did that for about a little over a year and I'm like, all right, cool. What's next network or desktop administration. Cool. Well, there's networking involved. Okay. Network administration, system administration, deal with servers. It eventually grew and grew and grew such that I was, I was able to learn through, um, you know, self-study and, uh, and exposure at, at the company I was at a whole bunch of stuff that was able to like excel me, uh, further in the career and I'll elevate my, uh, I don't know, my career such that I didn't have to be desktop support. And then in doing so on systems, like, you know, you got to run backups every night kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't want to wake up at 12 o'clock and, you know, hit the button to do a backup or something. So you, you, you write a little script that'll do it for you every 12 hours or at a specific time. So you learn how to automate. And then you eventually, I started extending that to the point where it's like, all right, I can make even more money if I just become a programmer. Cool. Right. Learn that, learn some languages, get the experience, get, get some networking. And yeah, then, then it just got to there. Like you can easily be a very, very successful tech person without going to college or not to advocate against going to college. I wouldn't do that. I advocate but, for it every episode. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's pretty much how it happened. It was just like, self-study and I don't know, right place at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's, that's, that's truly climbing the freaking ladder though. I mean, it just, it's almost like building blocks, right? You take one step at a time, just keep growing and growing and growing. But at the same time you're fighting technology, like technology is never not growing and not getting bigger and better and faster. Have you faced that? Like, um, I guess, for me, like my dad, this is the only example I can really come up with. My dad had run uh, Windows 97 until two years ago because it was the only platform he knew everything and how it operated absolutely perfectly. This is a guy who builds his own 
computers every two years just so that he had it and everything. And he finally made the switch. What was it like as things just started evolving? And you're, you were going through the real height of it. I mean, 2000, early 2000s to now, technology growth is through the freaking roof. What, what was that? Were you fighting it? Or was it kind of just something that you, like a little blow, but you were able to fight through it every time? So I had, I had one minor battle. Um, so, but it was, it was, uh, it was absolutely daunting. So I know this isn't a tech podcast, so I'll keep it super high level, but it can be a um, tech podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was like, everybody ran their own servers if they had to do something. And if you don't know what a server is, it's just a, a computer that, you know, maybe your, your laptop or desktop connects to, to get files from, or to, to look at a website that's not on the internet, but like on that specific system right. and everybody would run their own uh, for various reasons. And then um, the advent of cloud came out where companies are hosting large amounts of computers where you can get tiny little fractions of those computers in the form of a virtual machine. And they're offering services for databases and queues and all, caches, all kinds of stuff like that. And it, it, it completely turned the tech industry upside down such that like it removed the need for system administrators for on-prem uh, systems. And it really created a new type of technology person, a, a quote unquote DevOps person who would do development and operations. And they would probably do development to perform operations like allocating new servers or creating users, all, all these things. So I embraced all that and, you know, I wrote Python, uh, got into, uh, started writing Java, C, Go, um, all these different languages. But uh, the, the one battle that I fought and subsequently lost was my favorite operating system is called FreeBSD. It's a, has like a direct lineage to, you know, uh, Unix from back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it's a fantastic, stable and secure system. But uh, in the early 90s, an uh, operating system called Linux came out. And that went to the forefront of uh, popularity and uh, also industry adoption. And I've got my issues with it. And I refuse to let my love of FreeBSD die. Um, Was it the ease of access for Linux that people liked about it or cheap? Or what, what was kind um, of the movement there? It was, it's a super long story, but basically it came out at the perfect time such that it was, it almost inadvertently positioned itself as the only option because the BS, there's a couple different types of BSD Unixes. They were caught in legislation um, over mm. copyright violations of open source versus what was closed source. And Linux kind of hit the scene at that perfect time for just adoption. And uh, yeah, I, I used Linux for the longest time, but it was always BSD and yeah, all the new tech that's coming out is really Linux kernel feature focused and kernel feature driven. Um, and the, the, the company I work for that we develop software um, for features that are directly dependent upon the you know, kernel functionality exposure of the Linux kernel. So it's like, all right, fine. I have to let this die. This fight has lost. <laughs> Right. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's a fight that, I mean, if Linux is the one who you're going to have to work with, you're going to have to work with them because they're the one who everyone's choosing. It's, it's yeah. Trying and to at the end of the day, waffles at a pancake festival. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. I, I lost a lot of yeah. battles here in lacrosse Twitter. It's, 
that's the only way I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so wait, so have you now, did you have an office and everything prior to the pandemic that you'd go to with coding or is this a work from home always type situation? No, so, um, the job I had at the very beginning of the pandemic was a work from home job that I was at with a company based out of uh, San Francisco and mm-hmm. made the, made the decision to leave for a number of reasons, but um, I didn't like working from home anymore. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to work locally in an office. um, And this job became available and I I took it and I was so excited because I was going to be able to, I I knew some people there personally. Um, It was, it was great. I was just looking forward to getting back into the office and maybe two weeks before starting, uh, my, my manager emails me saying, okay, so we're now work from home because of the pandemic. Um, and we haven't been back yet. So I actually, and then the, the lease ran out on our office and I don't know where we're going to go because we just got acquired. So I don't know what the parent company is going to want to do. So it's oh, like, man. Could, yeah, lo- long answer, but, uh, yeah. Is I'm that going to be a move still, for you to get to another office or, uh, I think they're probably, Okay, so I, sh- I shouldn't even say that because I have no idea. My yeah. hope is that they have a Tempe or Phoenix office mm-hmm. um, or even Scottsdale to be even more convenient. But um, I don't know if they're going to. I hope once the pandemic is over that they have some sort of – I'm sure they have a plan. I just don't know it. I I know the feeling, man. We uh, So I'm still in college, right? We're getting ready. Boom, pandemic hits. I'm like, I already accepted a job with Signature. I guess I'll just like move down to Tampa after college. It all makes sense. It'll be great. And then pandemic, obviously, lease runs up. We're just going to all work from home for the rest of until, until yeah. when. So I am also in the work from home business now, and I absolutely hate it each and every day. It's not fun. There's nothing enjoyable about it. I like leaving. I, I'm, I'm not one to be able to sit in one place for very long. I have now obviously configured quite the setup here, but. It's, it's yeah. rough, dude. I do not enjoy it at all. I would not, I, after 2021 or whenever we can finally go back to work, I need to find an office. <laughs> I need to do something. Yeah. I've kind of gotten used to it. Like, I, I've got two dogs um, that, I, that I enjoy. So I get to hang out with them. And yeah. then um, I, I, being a programmer or just in tech in general, I'm at my desk pretty, pretty often. So I've, I'm used to that, but the the one benefit though I found is that um, at lunch or in between at any point during the day, if I need a break, I can grab my stick and go out to the backyard and hit the rebounder or, or that's whatever, true. Um, and do stuff like that. And that's that's a, that's a great like uh, way I clear my mind and uh, or just just turn my brain off for a little bit. So that that's a right. benefit. One of the positives I try and keep reminding myself on. Yeah, no, I've been doing the same thing recently. I, the beginning of the pandemic, I was really bad about it. I would sit there for way too long, not even think about doing something else. And I'd be like, wait, it's seven o'clock at night. Now it's time to just mm-hmm. go lay on the couch and do nothing for the rest of the night and just repeat every single day. I've since, obviously, now like, what, three weeks deep and pelotoning every day. So I'll get a workout in like the middle of the day because that's the thing that breaks up the day perfectly. And you know, next thing I know, I'm yeah. coming back and I'm more motivated than ever. And so I guess I'm I'm getting used to it. Work from home is not, I don't know, I guess some people thrive with it, but I'm not one of those people. I'm, I need to, I could do the same thing. 
I, I just need to be somewhere else. And I, I, I'm too much of a sociable person to, you know, not see people yeah. every day. I'm a, I'm pretty middle of the road there. Like I can, I can go days, weeks, or even months without seeing anybody. And I'm a perfectly happy person, but then sometimes it's like, uh, I, I need to, I need to socialize in some, some fashion, but at the same time, like the, the pan, the only real, I don't know. It's the pandemic's been a super, super inconvenience for everybody, but I don't know. It has, aside from taking away the gym, um, hasn't been too terrible. Cause like I, my house kind of backs up to, if you ever look at a map of Scottsdale, there's like this big green strip that runs North South right down the middle. It's called the green mm-hmm. belt. And, uh, it's just a, a system of parks that the city manages. Um, uh, throughout the city and um, there's there's bike paths walking paths and uh, all kinds of like ultimate frisbee or frisbee golf courses all over the place oh hell My yeah did you know up. that I used to host a frisbee golf podcast <laughs> oh no I had no idea yeah. oh that, dude that's <laughs> That's so huge here. Yeah. So I just go out my back door and go out the alley and I'm on, I'm on to the park and I'm biking or doing something, but that's yeah, fantastic, man. Yeah, I know. I know they have, they do an open, it might even be like in your backyard. It probably is now that I think about it. Cause it's like a beautiful green, just course that they host a <laughs> tournament at every year. I forget what it's called, but we, we uh, so it was all a joke. The backstory, the short of it was my buddy and I were in a marketing class in college and the marketing class is like, do something to make money, market it, do whatever you have to do. So at the time he had played disc golf his whole life. He's from like Lynchburg, Virginia, where apparently it's pretty big. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like let's find a niche community similar to lacrosse where you can, this thing is some messed up because we were total trolls, but like where you can just take complete advantage of, whoever's like in it and so we did that we start a podcast next thing that's you know it, it is marketing yeah it's completely taking yeah, advantage of them though so we start this podcast though and start an instagram and next thing you know like 1500 followers on instagram we're getting like a thousand listens a week and this is like three weeks in we had no idea it was gonna like grow at all we were gonna do anything next thing you know three companies are reaching out about sponsorships three people want ad reads this, that, and the other thing. So we run it through the entire semester of like my sophomore year of college and we end up making like a thousand bucks or whatever and going to our professor, turning it all in. And she was like, A plus. And then the podcast just disappeared. (laughs) Anybody was like (laughs) following our personal accounts now, like DMs us occasionally. And it's like, Hey man, do you still play disc golf? No. Uh, I have my disc golf bag right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The disc golf bag right here. We had free discs. Oh, yeah, never, yeah. That bag and the discs were all free. Like I never paid for a thing. It was amazing. But yeah, it, it was a crazy. little shop here that has all that. Oh yeah, we were sponsored by Prodigy Discs. We had a we had a company retdiscgolf.com that we accidentally put out of business because so many people went from our like our ad read and bought their whole inventory. <laughs> oh jeez. I think that they're back up and yeah. running now. I checked a few months ago. But yeah, yeah these, these guys, they, they take it seriously. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. It was like, there's like hardcore. leagues and everything. Yeah. And it almost seems like a, like a lifestyle almost. Cause like when I ride my bike through these areas, um, you see the same guys wearing like certain clothes and like, yep. if, if you're, if you're around, like sometimes I would go on a walk if it was a heavy training day in the morning, like I, I would walk in the afternoon and not ride my bike. So I'd 
have a lot more time to like kind of like watch these just this sounds creepy but like observe these people right and uh like start seeing like their their little idiosyncrasies and their little um uh what is it like uh oh man what's the right word the thing like something you do for a game to make sure you win oh um, yeah like their little superstitions, superstitions. and everything like yeah yeah and oh, you, there's so many them, like Oh yeah, it was crazy how they somebody would this one old dude who would play, he'd tap the the frisbee three times on his right leg before actually walking up to throw it. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, just weird stuff. Well the funny thing is that it was originally like a game just started by hippies who would like want to go like throw a frisbee through the woods naked and stuff and like smoke weed. And now like that's half the community and the other half's like this die hard just like go out and like it's like legit golf to them like they they take it so seriously it's nuts and so like we we have we had like a couple pros come on our show and everything and they they get paid less than lacrosse players but they literally were like all they do is play disc golf yeah no it's literally i think this one dude who was from mass he was he was a beauty he was fantastic but he was like i think i make like twelve thousand dollars a year i'm like how do you live he's like got a lot of roommates I'm like, sure, hope you <laughs> oh, wait, do. He like, doesn't, oh, he, he doesn't, doesn't play have disc golf. Yeah, he, he has a sponsorship oh and just plays disc golf. Like, I don't know how you live on that, but if you can make it that's, work, man, do it. That's incredible. Hey, if you're happy, yeah. then yeah, more power to you. I know it is absolutely nuts, but yeah, he literally makes less than lacrosse players, which is truly saying something because we're still living in this yeah. age where lacrosse players do not make enough to like be professional lacrosse players unless you're have like a trillion followers on instagram or for some reason people want to listen to what you have to say yeah i hopefully we're at the dawn of of that that portion of the industry changing because it, it would be cool to not i don't know it would it'd be nice for that group of sports players to be able to sustain you know a decent living um yeah without having to make like 18 grand like that what, what's the average nll uh, salary like 18 grand a year yeah 18 most are like 25 you get more than 20 or 30 then you're like a billionaire yeah yeah exactly and that, like that that sucks like you should i don't know then again it's just what what what's the gate pulling in versus how much they want to break off for the players versus merch and right. all of that i guess i, I don't know and all the business. actually turning over a revenue i mean there's some teams that don't even turn over a revenue because the building that they're in costs too much money you know it, it's crazy yeah yeah um i'm excited for uh the nll season that's coming out and the uh i, I think the commissioner was saying um they're going to be having another western expansion push either like uh washington or uh vegas washington Oregon, California didn't mention anything about Arizona. I think that experiment failed, and I don't know if they're. Yeah, gonna that was again. a tough experiment they had. No, there, there definitely will be. I'm not. I'm gonna just shake my head. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Like what Panther Panther City in what? Yeah, start Panther City. Next year. I thought that was a bold name for it, but you know, who am I to say anything about I'm, it? We. We just provide having balls. In, yeah, having lived in the DFW area for a couple of years, I was just thankful that they didn't go with some incredibly moronic cliche of, you know, cows, bulls, cowboys. I really was pushing for bolo ties. I think that would have been iconic. 
Oh, yeah, that's that's just like ah, uh, like that, that would have been. It's, it's funny because right like, you, you think of that for that area, but nobody looks like that. Oh no, uh, yeah, I had an aunt that. You see that, that out thing. here, but you don't see it in Texas. Right, it's you'll weird. see it more in Arizona. It's crazy. Everybody's everybody's a little bit behind the times, I guess, or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but maybe, maybe in dude, Fort Worth, they're a little little backwards. But yeah, yeah, Fort Worth's an interesting place. I had a good time though. Yeah, we went to a bunch of Rangers games. That's really all I remember. Yeah, I shouldn't say backwards. I mean, like maybe a couple years back, we'll say. Well, it's still Texas. I mean, Texas is basically its own country. Like, as soon as you cross over the border there, everything's a bit different. I could not wait to get out. Discredit Texaners. The, the, The advantage to Texas, however, is you can go buy like a big old property for like a very reasonable amount of money, which like that. It's appealing. That's about the only thing that's appealing, though. Yeah, and then have whatever is on it destroyed by a tornado. Like, eh, right, right, eh. like six months after building it because, you know, twisters. Yeah, yeah. My oh. apartment was right next to a big water tower, and it had a t- tornado siren. And whenever there it's- would be a thunderstorm, it was just like, oh, great, here we go. And it went off every time? Every time, yeah. Jeez, without fail, you got to love it. Well, Brian Downs, man. You are not a boring guy at all. In fact, that was an amazing conversation. I had so much fun. I can, don't ever discredit yourself again like that because your story was freaking <laughs> rad and awesome, and I loved it. But uh, before I let you go, is there any, any send-off messages that you have, anything? Don't people to follow you on Twitter or anything like that? Nah, nah, no, uh, no send-off. <laughs> I'm just th- – thank you for the opportunity. I, this has been super fun. I, I appreciate it. Of course, man. Dude, your story is so rad and I love it. I can't wait to share it with the people, but take it easy. All right, dude. Ba-doop-ba-boo-da-boo. What a fun freaking interview that was, man. I mean, I I think that there's something there's something to be said about the person who is lacking in a little bit of confidence at first. But then is able to come on the show and just give me like a full hour of amazing content and great stories. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You are an absolute gem, and I would love to do it again sometime. But everybody, 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 a lot been a lot's been going on both personally and around the world. Personally, last week I did not upload an episode because I was in the great, interesting state of Oklahoma tending to my grandmother who survived a surgery with a 100% mortality rate. So, good big claps to her because, um, well, shit, 100% mortality rate means that traditionally every person that walks out of that room is dead. And she didn't. She's a trooper. She's truly a badass. She was home in like four days too, uh, up and walking around with me. And that that was really, really nice to see because, well, I don't get to see that grandma too often because she lives all the way out in Oklahoma. And, you know, you just, I wasn't ready for that big, first big death in my life, right? I mean, I guess, um, I guess you, you read or you have a lot of friends and cohorts and peers who lose grandparents, parents, siblings, cousins, you know, I haven't, I haven't done that. I haven't lost a grandparent while I was alive. I haven't lost a cousin, knock on wood. Um, and so while, while that scared me, 
I thought it was a really important uh, thing for me to be on Oklahoma, and that is why we did not have an episode up last week. However, I did want to get this episode out last week. And then yesterday when I went to upload this episode, we had snow, which took out the uh, energy in my house, or whatever you want to call it, electricity. So I've been just running into some hurdles here, but we we got it up. It's Wednesday. Uh, That's new for me. But Guys, um, outside of me, I, I also put out a tweet last night just saying that this pandemic, this, you know, quarantine period, social distance period has now been going on for almost a year. And I don't know about you guys. For me personally, it's really taking a toll. I'm starting to get really exhausted of waking up every day and doing the same exact thing and not having the freedom to do what I traditionally like to do. I'm one for traveling and doing doing things that I love without having to have it in the back of my head that there's things that are going to be changed or I'm going to have to do something differently or, you know, the, the little things that come in life. And so that, that could be really stressful. And I'm sure it's not just only getting to me. It's probably getting to many of you. So... My message is we can do this. We we got this. I'm, I'm pretty sure that once these vaccines start getting out a bit heavier, we'll be we'll be back to doing our normal our normal routines and uh, we'll get through this together, though. So if you ever need an ear or someone to chat with, my DMs are always open. The podcast is always open. If uh, That's my medium. Uh, when I talk to you guys, I relieve as much stress as I can as I bring on during the day and it's fantastic. So that that's a medium for you guys. If you so choose, um, beyond that, uh, what's going on in the world right now, guys, we have a new president. Uh, have I talked to you guys since Joe Biden was put into office? Um, I don't think so. So that's a big deal. Uh, A lot of really amazing things are starting to happen. Uh, the other day we had, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez go on Instagram live and tell her story from January 6th and it was absolutely heartbreaking and to see people like Ted Cruz, Rush Limbaugh and other conservative media members kind of discredit and discount her take and the things that have happened to her um, really left an even more sour taste in my mouth and really was upsetting. I have family members who have seen some really crazy and scary things and I would never discredit them. So why why discredit someone who was just literally had their life on the line and they were serving our country? Um, maybe not military-wise, but as a someone who makes policy. And so that, that was pretty scary. That was scary stuff to hear about. And, um, well, I, I spent many, many days in that Senate building and I knew exactly where they were, and that was, um, well, it was scary to see. Those rooms aren't very thick. They're, they're, the walls aren't very thick in there, and a lot of people can get places by accident. So I'm just glad that, uh, you know, we, we can, we're trying to push on from that, that stage in our life. But I guess to do so, we have to start figuring out a way of separating ourselves, and this is this is the main thing I really wanted to talk about today. Um, many people who listen to this show don't know that I'm, I'm Jewish. Um, I'm not a practicing Jew. I don't go to temple every weekend. I don't, you know, follow kosher rules. I don't do many of the things. However, I do go to the high holidays. I go to services with my mom, uh, when I get the opportunity considering she's pretty religious. And 
I don't think that being Jewish in the year 2021 is something that we should be afraid of. And yet we have a member of Congress, and I'm sure there's other members who also feel the same way in both the Senate and Congress, who believe that Jewish people are out here to still destroy the world, or there's a Jewish laser causing wildfires in California. And granted, these these claims all sound just so ridiculous and so crazy that it shouldn't even affect me. But here's the thing. Jewish people are still recovering from the Holocaust. Last week was Holocaust Remembrance Day, and I got to hear speeches from many people who still survived. They're not there's still plenty of people who survived the Holocaust who are alive and history is not as far away as we think. And so in my, my truly honest opinion is the fact that there are still, and I'm just going to call them what they are. They're Nazis walking around the streets of America these days. It's scary. And it doesn't scare me because I don't, I, I, nobody could beat me up. I mean, I'm like six foot three I played hockey for plenty. Okay, they could beat me up. But it makes me more scared for people like my mother. The one, I don't want her to get ambushed by a group of Nazis coming into this country who are using their Trump propaganda to kind of, you know, fuel their speech and their hatred for people who aren't like them. I think that's that's really the scary thing for me. And it's not something that we should be living with. Are you fucking kidding me? It's, it is literally 2021. We, we got rid of the Nazis quite literally 80 years ago. Like, what, what, the, what the fuck are we doing to enable this? You know, I mean, this is, this is where someone needs to step in and, and call, their, call their bluff, right? These people who stormed the Capitol, the insurrectionists, whatever you want to call them, they are fucking white supremacists who genuinely do not have the better interest of people in for this country. And you know what? I'm, I'm sick and tired of it, man. People need to stop making excuses. The trials for Donald Trump start next week. If he doesn't get just completely demolished by laws and, I mean, not laws, by suits and other things, it'll be just ridiculous to me. And somebody needs to be held accountable for causing this just radical uprising that's happening right now. And I'm so, so freaking tired of it being blamed on, like, I don't know, us not being American and being soft and being this, that, and the other thing. No, no, we have feelings. You don't. You you people who claim that the Jews are going to take over, that the Holocaust didn't exist, or six million Jews wasn't enough. Like, that that's the stuff that quite literally gets my blood boiling, really. Because, I mean, it's all straight white men. Straight white men who have all the privilege in the world and are just butthurt because someone else wanted to have a little bit, a little bit of the equality that they have. And granted, I am a straight white man, but I'm a straight white man with feelings and emotions and empathy. And I think that that goes a hell of a lot further than being a hard ass with toxic masculinity who feels the need to defend people that don't need defending. And you know what? I'm just sick and tired of it. And that's my rant for the day. Um, it's, it's been blood reading Marjorie Taylor green every day has just been pissing me off because she truly does not deserve to be in Congress. She does not deserve to be anywhere except for jail because she's just as much as anyone else inspired the insurrection of a couple weeks ago. But 
I'm not going to leave you guys on a low note. Uh, we have a lot of amazing guests coming on. Last week, I got really into the Dogecoin thing for fun and put out a tweet that I want like everybody who's investing in Dogecoin to come on the podcast. And with that, I got a lot of people messaging me about coming on the show. So that means that we're going to be having a lot of guests come on, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. So that's that's really all I got for you guys today. I am uh, I'm stoked to get this uh, show out to you next week because we got a really cool guest. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed Brian. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you check out the Survey Monkey link on my Twitter to uh, sign up. And I will chat with you guys next week. Stay grooving, all right? Bye.